0: Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Sheila Zelinsky Show for this Thursday, June 2nd edition. I broadcast Monday to Friday, that's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on WYNB. Hey, to find out more ways to listen, including the podcast and that customized app, which by the way, I'm getting some great feedback on, go to the Listen tab on the menu at weekendvigilante.com. Downloading the podcast for those on the go, take my show along with you and listen while you're driving, jogging, walking, maybe not swimming. (laughs) And if you have not already done so, please go to my social media, that's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube. You'll see the icons located at the top right of my website. I'm really trying to build my social media as I just have not had the time or manpower to really market it. So please do add me on those. Again, that's the top right of my website, weekendvigilante.com. Hey, you know, one of the big things in the news, well, it's trendy now. Offices putting chips under staff skin. Yeah, it's trendy now to have the Mark of the Beast RFID chip, you want to gain entry to your office, get on a bus or maybe buy a sandwich or even a latte. Hey, a new high tech office block in Sweden. They're trying a different approach, a good old chip under the skin. Wow, the Mark of the Beast. It's coming fast and furious, folks. So hey, if you're going to a church and your pastor is okay with that, find a new church. That's all I can say. No man will buy or sell without that thing. Hmm. We are very much getting acclimated to this world system, this new world order antichrist system. It's coming fast and furious. And what do they need to really implement a system like this? Well, they need a global economic financial meltdown. And guess what? That's coming too. You've probably seen good old Federal Reserve Chairwoman Janet Yellen. I call her Bernanke 2.0 in a skirt. Miss Keynesianism herself. She's heading to Capitol Hill later this month to deliver the semi-annual monetary policy report to Congress. The central bank's highly anticipated June policy meeting. That's going to have an interesting play in what's coming. Raising interest rates? Well, if that's about to happen... They're getting ready to pull the hammer on this thing. We're talking about a complete financial collapse. And that really is what we're getting acclimated to here. So that's what's coming. And I'm going to talk about that on my show tomorrow with my guest, a surprise guest tomorrow. We're going to get into the globally economic financial meltdown. That's tomorrow in the show. But today, I have a fantastic program. I have back on my show, and she is always a fan favorite. It is the one and only from the Lone Star State, Miss Carla Butod. Carla, welcome back to the show. As always, it's a pleasure to have you back on.
1: Thanks, Sheila. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's always great, Carla, to have you on the program, and especially on a particular issue that I want to bring up. And I think this is hugely affecting us, And the reason why I think that is because I'm noticing a common underlying thread throughout a lot of the correspondence that I'm getting, whether it's through email, phone calls, YouTube comments, and podcast comments. And that's the very reason I wanted to cover this on the show today. And that is this, the spirit of offense. This, I think, is an epidemic that needs to be addressed and sadly, I'm mostly noticing it on the rise of Christians, Carla. Would you agree with that?
1: I would say that it's on the rise. Everybody, everybody's tensions seem to be just right on the surface of their skin and so easily offended about things. Super sensitive. So mm-hmm. yes, I would agree that it is uh, something that needs to be addressed because it is alive and well, even sadly, in the church.
0: Yeah, the church has become offended. Members are offended by their pastors. They're offended by other congregants and they leave the church. Employees are offended by their employers, so they quit. Couples are offended in marriage. Obviously, they're always citing irreconcilable differences. Angry, mad, upset. That's really become a disposition of a lot of people. And Carla, a lot of people in Christ who are offended, I believe they're really holding unforgiveness in their heart. I, I think Satan has launched a really aggressive attack to keep us offended because let's face it, offense is not a little problem. It's a demon.
1: It is. It's an evil spirit. And it's it's something that Satan uses so effectively. I mean after all, that's how he got Adam and Eve to fall. When he was in the garden and he spoke to Eve, that's what he said, that God did not want her to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because then she would be like him. So Satan started right away trying to get Eve to be offended at God like he was holding out on her or something.
0: Well, I think we've all had our feelings hurt. I think that's pretty normal. At one time or the other, we've had our feelings hurt. We've felt insulted by someone. We felt like an injustice was done to us. And when our feelings are hurt or some other injustice is perceived, we really have to let go of it and resolve it quickly and forgive and move on. Otherwise, what happens, and I think this is really important that that resentment begins to build and soon you've got indignation, intolerance, and finally hatred. And then Mm -hmm. even people seek some form of revenge, what a trap that is right there.
1: It really is. And the the unforgiveness thing is such a huge factor in that it says clearly in the scriptures in Matthew 18 that if you don't forgive, then you're turned over to the tormentors. And sometimes I wonder if a lot of the problems that we're having is all rooted in unforgiveness and being offended and refusing to forgive people, because the consequences of that are not anything that we want.
0: Well, you know, I think about what it says in the Gospel of Matthew in verse 24. The disciples asked Jesus as he was departing for heaven, what will be the signs of your coming and the end of this world? And Jesus said, one of the things he said there is, then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate mm. one another. That's a really strong correlation. And, of course, Proverbs eighteen nineteen says a brother offended mm. is harder to be one than a strong city. I mean, that's really, that really shows you something there, doesn't it?
1: It does. And it's so true. If you ever... Get in a fence with anybody, or they get in a fence with you, you'll find out how true that is because it is harder, just like the scripture said, than to take a city. They put up walls, they try to stay away from you, or they don't answer your calls, or whatever it is. It, it is a, a great way that Satan uses to divide people, to cause division.
0: Well, I'm glad you said that because I believe that recognizing this spirit of offense and restraining it is actually the key to personal freedom that really unlocks your ability to enjoy life and come into the fullness and the blessings God has in your life. Because an offense is Satan's trap to hold us back from God's blessing.
1: Yes, it is. It is uh, widespread. And that may be one of the reasons that people's blessings are being stopped up, is because they've taken offense at somebody and refused to forgive. Matthew 7, you know, If you don't forgive, neither will your Father in Heaven forgive you. So is it worth it? That's my question. Sometimes you you don't really choose to be offended, but that spirit of offense is there. It's an evil spirit, and the spirit of offense gets offended. Well,
0: and forgiveness doesn't free the other person who offended. It sets you free. And what I notice is that people who continually talk about their past, a lot of those people that have been badly hurt, I mean, let's face it, hurt people hurt people. Let's jump into what is an offense. An offense, If I've looked it up in the vines, and it was interesting in the Greek, the name of the part of the trap on which the bait hung that lured the animal into the trap. Now, to go on in the vines definition, a hindrance or a stumbling block. Now, think about this. Satan uses offenses as bait to lure us into a lifetime of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, and even hatred. And then when it becomes a hindrance and a stumbling block, that's where it can cause us to stumble in our walk with God. An offense is not going to let us go forward. It's a It's a hindrance.
1: It is a hindrance, and what I've learned is that it really is an indication of a love issue. Because in First Corinthians 13, it says that love is not easily provoked. And let's face it, people who get offended are provoked. And so I always see that as a love issue to be dealt with. Because the more love that you receive from God, the less likely you are to be offended. But then again, Jesus said, offenses must come. But woe to him through who they come, you know. So uh, you want to stay away from the woe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, James 3 there says, if any man offends, in other words, it's next to impossible not to offend someone.
1: Well, that's true. That's true because so many people have a generationally inherited spirit of offense. Right. You know, thing you can inherit an offense like the Hatfields and the McCoys, you've heard of them. They feuded forever and their families carried that thing against each other down generational lines. And we do the same thing. It comes to us generationally. We may have never even known somebody, but we knew that our daddy or our mama Didn't like those people, and so we don't like them, too. So, I mean, you'd be surprised how many people take up an offense for somebody else.
0: Well, sure. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned something really interesting, that we're far too easily and far too often offended. Now, it's interesting. The Webster's 1828 says an offense is to displease, to make angry, to affront and listen to this word. It's interesting. To vex.
1: hmm I know if a person is offended, they are vexed until they get it straight. And, you know, here here's another opportunity for people to uh, put into motion the principles that Jesus has given us in the Scripture, and how often do we handle offenses the way Jesus tells us to. Like, if, if you have someone have ought against you if someone offended you it says that you are supposed to go to that person one-on-one which rarely happens they usually go to everybody else but the one who offended them and that's how these big misunderstandings and more people get dragged into it it becomes a he said she said thing and it's such a bait that satan uses to hook people and it's not hard to hook them
0: Jesus thinks so much about our relationship that he he doesn't want your sacrifice until you mend your differences with your brother. In Matthew 5, 23 yeah. to 24, it says, leave your gift at the altar and go make peace with your brother. And I think this is where the types of offense comes in, because you can take offense, you can give offense, you can be offended at God, offended by mm-hmm. the truth, the things that people are easily offended by. Because I think... In order to understand this, we have to kind of look at the root of it. So, for example, rejection is a big one. If you're not included in something or, you know, you didn't get an invite or you somebody forgot your birthday or your anniversary or if somebody ignores or rejects you, that's one thing. You know, we get offended when somebody doesn't go along with us.
1: Oh, absolutely. We find that a lot in families. You know, I, my family has... A big spirit of offense going on, and it doesn't take much to rub them raw, if you know what I mean. Like they wear all their feelings on their shoulders. And you know, you have to be on eggshells around people like that because it's and no matter how hard you try not to offend them, they get offended. But you know, it's like my mother says sometimes, Well, what did they get offended at? I said, Mom, the spirit of offense just is offended. Right. You don't even really have to offend them, they're offended because they have a spirit of offense in them. But what I find interesting, too, is that usually people who get offended very easily don't have a problem at all offending you.
0: Well, yeah, but that shows bitterness and unforgiveness. And, you know, I always give this analogy, unforgiveness, it's an acid in the container it dwells in. I really believe that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the one I like is, you, you're drinking poison and, and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, it really is It's going to eat you up. Most of the time, the other person who you took the offense from doesn't even know that you're offended.
0: Yeah, they're oblivious, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and so someone else is, that has been offended is sitting there stewing over it, waiting for them to, to get it that, that they were offended and come and apologize.
0: You mentioned something really important when you were reading 1 Corinthians 13. Think about in the verse 5 there it says love is not touchy, fretful. It's not quick to take offense.
1: That's what I mean. It 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 really is an indication of a love issue. In fact, if you really look at almost every thing that we angst over is a love issue. The more love that you can receive from god the less likely you are to be offended to offend others to walk in unforgiveness because it's his love that takes care of all of that it says that love covers a multitude of sins if we don't have the proper love we're going to notice every single thing about people and that's one of the things that i love about the ministry of deliverance is because in Luke four eighteen, 18, it says that we are anointed to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so someone who is bruised is someone who's had their feelings hurt and someone who has been offended. And so we have that ministry of reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ to be able to offer liberty to those that have been bruised.
0: Yes, because you can have freedom or liberty when you're harboring unforgiveness. Most of the ground that Satan gains in the life of a believer, it's gained through the legal right of a door of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness breeds no joy, no peace, which are the undercurrents of torment.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And here we go right back to the unforgiveness. Without the unforgiveness, you're put in a prison and turned over to the tormentors. And so that that can be a sickness and a physical sickness or it can be a mental torment or it can be a spiritual torment there's no end to the torment when we get in offense and stay in offense you know god showed me through the story of philemon the book the little book of philemon in the back somewhere along the line philemon was offended or took offense at onesimus if i'm saying it properly And so Paul said to Philemon, at one time, Onesimus was not profitable to you, but now profitable. So he was trying to be a peacemaker there between them. And, of course, that's what we should try to be as well.
0: Blessed are the peacemakers, right? But, you know, it's interesting that Jesus himself, he had numerous occasions to be offended, but he refused Mm. them all. His own relatives were offended. So they could not receive him. And I think that's where we have to look at this is we cannot receive things from God with this spirit of offense. His disciples often, they acted like spoiled brats. They wouldn't even stay awake and pray with him one hour before his crucifixion. They didn't really ever understand him. We kind of do get offended when people don't understand us. Think about Peter denied him. The Pharisees constantly tried to entrap him. But the key was not getting offended. And I think there's a key in knowing who we are in God, that parallels security, Jesus' security in Father God allowed him to refuse the offense.
1: Absolutely. I, I It's like, you know, I always say, when it comes to taking offenses, I mean, like, taking one for Jesus, the offenses, because he was constantly offended by others. And so, when Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, you know, the rest of that scripture is and the fellowship of his sufferings. It's just like it says about the different kinds of soils, and there's the one who receives the word gladly, but when the um, when the like pressures and the deceitfulness of riches and, and offenses come in, then they want to walk away from it.
0: Well, I really do think that... Being offended prevents progress, and it actually prevents us from coming into the fullness of what God wants for us. Like, it blocks us from receiving. Just like when I had mentioned there, when they were offended at him, his relatives were offended, they did not receive from him. That's really Satan's plot here, is to hinder your progress and steal the Word of God from your life.
1: Yep, he wants us to be offended. In fact, it it says that Jesus was the rock of offense, Yes, you know, and the rock can either fall on you and crush you or you can fall on it. But, you know, it's, it's funny how in different peoples, in religions, you can talk about God as long as you're talking about God and all of these things, but see, Jesus is the rock of offense. That's the dividing line where people will get offended because of Jesus.
0: Well, as you were talking, I was almost thinking about Jesus rebuked Peter, he told him you're an offense to me. In other words, Satan was trying in that situation to use Peter's fears. But Peter was actually saying, think about this, Carla, Jesus, if you follow God's will, my comfort will be interrupted.
1: Well, you know, it it boils down to idolatry. (laughs) It's like, you know, if you disagree with me or if you offend me or how dare you offend me, it's almost putting yourself in a place of a God that nobody should dispute you or anything like that. They want to be noticed. They want to be paid attention to. They want your immediate attention. They want your complete attention. It is a selfishness. and. That is idolatry. Selfishness is idolatry, because it's all about you.
0: Well, that goes into that narcissism thing, because a selfish person not only has no regard for how their words affect other people, but they're usually unmannerly and rude. And and really, honestly, they don't care about how others feel. They're usually... Way too interested in themselves to be sensitive <laughs> to others. That is a narcissism thing. And selfish people, what I find, Carla, they're they're satisfied as long as they're taken care of. But when others are inconsiderate of them, look out.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the evil of it. You know, it's like the uh, the golden rule: do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And yet, if somebody gets offended, it's like, look out. When I was thinking about this subject, I was reminded of the prodigal son. You know, the younger son was not happy to live at home under his dad's authority. And the older the older brother, of course, was a dad pleaser. He did everything that the dad wanted him to do. Then the younger son says, hey, I want my portion of my inheritance now. So the dad gives it up, gives it to the kid, and he goes off and lives squanderously. And probably the elder brother, you know, kind of lived through his brother vicariously, wishing that he could go out and do those things. But, no, he was going to please the dad. Then the younger brother comes back, he gets the coat, he gets the robe and the ring and the big banquet and everything, and the the brother was offended. He was so offended by that. You know, here I am, the good one. I have done what you wanted and he goes off and does this, and then he comes back and gets the robe and the ring? What's up with that? So he was offended not only at the brother but at the daddy, which is is a picture of how we want to get offended at God when things don't go our way or when somebody gets favoritism. You know, we want to get offended at God and say, what about me? (laughs) Look, Look what I've done, and I'm getting this. And so it is such a... A wicked spirit the spirit of offense and listen along the way of my walk I'll tell you God dealt with me about the spirit of offense very early in my Christian walk because it was such a big thing in our family people would get offended people would say things to others to try to do that division thing and to break that you know what I started doing If one of my relatives started telling me that another relative said something to try to get me in offense at them, I would just get up and start heading for the telephone. Ah. And they're saying like, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm going to call her and see if she said that. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, they would start back paddling, you know. (laughs) They just quit, you know, because what I needed to get away from was to sit around and talk about people. That was a big thing in our family. And I used to be right in the big middle of it. But when I started learning about how God looked at that, I didn't want to do it anymore. So the spirit of offense was something I had to really work with early on. And so I made a decision, and you know, you can make a decision. I am making a decision not to take offense because of all the things where offense will take you. It's never good.
0: No, it's not. And there's a key here, though, also on the other side of the coin, you've a person's got to learn, I think, Carla, and this is where I used to be very inconsiderate, and really selfish, because I didn't really ever take the time to think about how my actions affected other people in a given situation. Like if I was rude, and I hurt somebody's feelings often I would just say to them, Oh, don't be so touchy. That's not okay, either. I mean, even, you know, I, I was thinking about Abraham giving Lot the land there, rather than have him offended and get into strife. You know, he asked him, Okay, what do you choose here? Like he was a really good example. And David was another really good example, too. In First Samuel 17, 28 to 30, David turned away from offense. it says there, and we see in First Samuel sixteen one through 13, David could have been offended because he was left out. His father did not even consider him as a possible choice for the king. So the fact that he didn't become offended, it shows at least one of the reasons why he was God's choice, I think, there.
1: I think so, too. Absolutely.
0: I really believe there's a root of this thing of offense, and I think it is insecurity.
1: Absolutely. I know that whenever I suffered a four-year depression, I learned that depression, now this is going to dispute what medicine would say, but I learned that depression was not in and of itself a disease, but a symptom of an identity crisis Mm. in not knowing who you are in Christ. Once God came and told me who I was, That was the end of the Depression. I mean, it was life-changing. In a split second, my life was changed forever, and I've never been the same. Because once you know who you are in Christ and you're settled in that, nobody can shake you from it. I I think it's laughable that Satan said to Jesus, If you are really the Son of God... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, thinking, what an idiot that he would try to move Jesus away from who he is. Now, it didn't work against Jesus, but it works against Christians all the time. All they, ha- someone has to do is look at him a little bit sideways, and, you know, it throws them into a tizzy. Instead of just standing, forgiving the person, and here again, this is what I love about learning about, like, offense. It's not something that we choose. It is an evil spirit, and Jesus gave us a way to handle these evil spirits by casting them out in the name of Jesus. So if someone offends you, you can still love the person who offended you, but start binding that spirit in the person. And then if you ever have an opportunity to pray with them about it, cast it out.
0: I think you mentioned something in that that's really key there, too. When you were talking about depression, I think depression goes hand in hand with unresolved conflict and anger and torment. It all ties in together because anger lashes out at everyone. I mean, anger and depression really can cause people to be an offender and lash out. Depression And anxiety and anger, it all stems from being wounded yourself. And like I said, hurt people hurt other people.
1: That's true. Um, You know, explain that to my children when they were little, that even if you have the nicest dog in the world for a pet and he's laying on the floor sleeping, if you walk by and step on his tail, accidentally even, he's going to turn his head towards you and growl and snap because he was hurt. He's not he didn't mean to snap at you. He wouldn't have snapped at you otherwise, but when you hurt, if somebody's hurt and you touch that bruised place, that's going to be their response. And it doesn't have anything to do with the other person. It's the one who it comes from. The offended person, the wounded person, the hurt person is the one who's going to lash out and and injure somebody with hurtful words or even physical sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Well, I was thinking about Paul, what he said in Romans 9, one about his conscience bore him witness. You know, multitudes of people, they're regularly doing things that they know are wrong while they're doing them. And I think some of that condemnation, which results in guilt, of course, you know, we know Jesus died to set us free from both condemnation and guilt. His blood bought our freedom. But If we remain in sin, when we know what we're doing is wrong, then we're not using the freedom he gave us, and then you get that result of condemnation resulting in feelings of guilt. And I think that's where people are, they're actually offending themselves there, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's a a refusal to be comforted with the comfort that Jesus died that we might have. They'd start defending their offense instead of taking it to Jesus and allowing him to give the healing that you need in that place. That's why I think it's so awesome that we can preach uh, liberty to them that are bruised. To me, that's what offenses do. They, They bruise, but he's given us a way to get out of everything that would come to us, a way of escape. If
0: you will, well, and that escape, that freedom, total freedom, mm-hmm. escape, that requires a combination of the blood of Jesus, but also right choices. We're free from sin and condemnation. We are not free to sin as a license, and then try to rebuke the condemnation. And and one of the things I noticed, a lot of people, they don't call sin sin. They, you know, they'll say, "Oh, I have a problem area in my life." They minimize it, our little problem. Instead of yeah, I
1: misspoke. <laughs> yeah, instead of lying, that's big in the political realm.
0: <laughs> I told a little white lie.
1: <laughs> well, no such thing. That's kind of like white witchcraft.
0: <laughs> hey, there's good witchcraft. People tell me.
1: No. <laughs> no. 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 Where do you live? In the Wizard of Oz? Yeah. So Glinda is a is a good witch. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, witchcraft is witchcraft.
0: Witchcraft is witchcraft. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's when one of the things I was thinking in Matthew eleven twelve. it says violent men take the kingdom by force. And each time we submit to this spirit of offense or a temptation to sin, we're really actually bowing our knee to Satan there.
1: Yeah, because that's his realm. To be offended is his realm. To have us offend other people is his it's his kingdom.
0: It is his kingdom. And that's where I thought it was really interesting in Naaman there in 2 Kings 5. It says the leper was offended, but then he changed his attitude and he received a miracle. So we have to kind of keep that as an example, don't we?
1: Yes. And, you know, he his problem was pride. You know, when he went to Elijah, he was offended that the guy didn't come out there and kiss his hand because he was so used to being in that place and treated that way. And when Elijah didn't even bother to come outside, it's like, well, you know, but thankfully he humbled himself and did receive the miracle that Elijah spoke to him about. That is one area in people's pride. If they cannot lay down the pride Yes. And uh, the uh, that's idolatry. Pride is idolatry, and vanity, and which, ego, which you know. ties in,
0: which ties in with narcissism. You're mm-hmm. actually right. Pride is a huge issue in blocking people. A proud person, they cannot receive correction or instruction. And really, if you think about it, it says there in Psalm 45: this truth, humility, and righteousness all go together. Well, the opposite of Pride is humility. So that, again, I think that's very important what you just mentioned there about pride.
1: Well, you know, pride was another thing that was really big in our family. And my oldest son, who has, he's been a very blessed young man. He graduated valedictorian of high school and magnum cum laude and made so high on his MCAT test that colleges hired him to come and prepare Students to take their MCAT test, and so, you know, all of his life he has had this adoration for his intelligence and everything, and he struggles with pride, and he knows it, you know, so he's trying so hard to become humble, and I'll never forget, and he told me how he was working on it, because everywhere he went, people said, you're full of pride, you're just prideful, and, but, you know, I do realize that sometimes people misunderstand or mistake uh, confidence as pride. And, you know, I try to help him with that. But anyway, he called one day and um, I was talking on the phone with him and I said, Wade, that's so good. I'm glad to hear that. So I hang up and his dad said, well, what did Wade want? And I said, oh, he was telling me today how humble he was and proud (laughs) of it. Wow. It's a flip side. You know, there's a fine line between pride and humility and false humility. And at one time, I'll never forget, there was this guy, I was at a meeting, and he is up there talking about, not in the words of humility and pride, but he was letting us know what a humble man he is. And I was thinking, why is he doing that? Why is he saying all this, Lord? What is that? He said, false humility. It stinketh, <laughs> <laughs> And it does. I mean, I can spot that really, really quick on people. And it's, you know, I just smile and love them anyway. You know, but it's it's amazing how much that is out there, and it's pride. Even though it's false humility, it's still pride.
0: I think religious spirits run with the spirit of offense.
1: Definitely. Well, look at the the Pharisees. Of course, I can understand. I mean, Jesus came and he is like tearing down their religious spirit even though, you know, they were always offending Jesus. The things that they said to him, my goodness, when he was talking about, uh, they said, our father is Abraham. And they said something to the effect, but they, they referenced to Jesus and said, we are not born of fornication. So do you see what they were implying about Jesus basically calling him a bastard? We were not born of fornication. They didn't say like you are, but Jesus clearly understood what they were saying. So it is just amazing the things that the the Pharisees, the religious people, will say that is offensive. Winebibber, that's like calling him a drunk. They said the the, uh, miracles that you do are you're using the power of the prince of Beelzebub. You're of the devil. They told him he had a demon. Like you're crazy. I mean, they were always being very offensive to Jesus, the Son of God.
0: Of course, Jesus was always offending them, even without knowing it. Really, He was challenging (laughs) them on every level. (laughs) He was speaking the truth.
1: Exactly. (laughs) What did he call them? You foxes and you um, hypocrites.
0: (laughs) You broad of vipers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That's
0: you just mentioned a key word there, and that's the word truth. John mm-hmm. eight thirty one tells us the truth will make you free. Only the truth sets us free, but it's offensive though when you hear the truth. People get very offended by the truth, and I vividly recall when I first started really asking God to show me things about my behavior and myself. It was painful. My flesh tried every way to get get away from that. But I had to face, Sheila, you're the problem. You have a pride problem. You're negative. You're hard to get along with. You don't play well with others and quit feeling sorry for yourself. And yeah. so when God dealt with me on that, John 14 says the Holy Spirit's called the spirit of truth, but truth is not soft and easy on the flesh.
1: No, it's not. But, you know, I appreciate the times, even when it was cutting that jesus spoke the truth to me i mean i know in in the early years before i knew anything about deliverance and i had a strong jezebel spirit and uh, i was always complaining to god about mike <laughs> <You> <laughs> know, every, every time i was begging god to change mike he required a change in me <laughs> mm. and it really is true as i changed he changed one time I was crying out to him, and I said, Lord, when, when, when will he ever take the position of head of this house? And God said, when you get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ouchie, he speaks the truth, and I want to know the truth.
0: One of the things that, and I think this is key in all of this, is that we can't not only offend the Holy Spirit, but we cannot be offended at God and we got to be very careful about how we treat other people. It's obvious that mistreating other people is offensive to the Holy Spirit and God. But do not offend the Holy Spirit, Ephesians, for there warns us. One of the things that the disciples accused Jesus of is not caring anything about them we've got to really be careful of that because chastisement like when you were the problem instead of mike god god lays the yoke of divine discipline on us for our benefit and of course in hebrews 12 we see discipline and chastisement are good for us we can despise it and not like it but one of the things we cannot do is get offended at god that's really dangerous
1: Well, we go right back to kind of where we started in that. That is exactly what Satan is out to do, is to cause us to become offended at God. That's really his ultimate goal, is to get us offended at God and then turn away from God instead of running to God in our offense. Or, you know, I I think about how different the world would be if we would just, take the simple principles that jesus has laid out for us how to get along in this world and do them well how different it would be in handling conflicts in handling offenses in anything if we would just do what he tells us to do how different this world would be and how much more of his power would be displayed on the earth And for the world to be able to see that power displayed, and it would make a difference on the world. We are the salt, you know, but if we're not being that salt, then how are we any different from the world?
0: Well, and that's just it, is that there's no difference much anymore compared to so-called Christians and the world. Instead of Christians affecting the world, the world is affecting Christians.
1: Yes, that's right. I mean, You can't hardly tell the difference between the world and the church. Here's another one I thought of a while ago. Look at Mary and Martha when Jesus came to their house, and Mary is sitting at his feet. And Martha's she's busy about everything, and she comes to Jesus and I'm like, Why don't you make Mary help me? <laughs> Look, I'm doing all the work. <laughs> and he said, She's chosen the best thing, and that will not be taken away from her. I just love that Jesus defended her in that.
0: It's not good for us to get our own way all the time. It's good for us, I think, to be disappointed sometimes. People might say what? But I think <laughs> if I think we learn to place our hope in God and not in things because we cannot grow without discipline and chastisement although our flesh doesn't like it what does Romans 8 28 tell us all things work together for good there's many things working behind the scenes that we know nothing about we don't understand it we don't understand God's will and his timing and what does he say his ways are not our ways but that's the key Carla is Satan wants us not to trust God he wants us to think God doesn't care about you. No, right. God is good all the time. That's not just a little song we sing. That's right. a fact to be celebrated. God And God yes. doesn't change.
1: No, he doesn't. And that's, you know, it's hard for people when they're suffering. Well, uh, one of the scriptures that I love to use when somebody is really going through it is what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon. Satan desires to have you, to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith faileth not. And when you are converted, it doesn't say if, when you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. And I use that scripture a lot when people contact me, you know, and they're really hurting because God knows what you're going through. Jesus has prayed for you that your faith felleth not. And when you are converted, and that means when you get to the other side of this, and he already knows you're going to get to the other side of it, strengthen your brethren when you get there. And I can say that that is exactly what everything that I have suffered along the way has done is brought me to the other side, he has brought me through it, and then he has given me opportunity to to help others who are in that same place, which is the scriptures from, I think it's either 1 Corinthians or Second Corinthians 1-4 that says that you will comfort others with the same comfort that you were comforted with. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's all about, is is to be able to help other people in the same areas that we've been helped. I want to mention one other thing, one other danger that comes to us when we get offended is that we speak out and make oaths and vows that then keep us locked up in that place where we are by saying things like, well, I'll never give anybody an opportunity to hurt me like that again or they will never set foot in my house again. We we start uh, putting these oaths and vows. When you make a vow, you're on a train track, and no matter how much you want to go in a different direction, you can't because of the vows.
0: Right. Well, we're going to take care of that right now, including those oaths, covenants, and vows that we made alongside with this spirit of offense. So, Carla, if you would, please lead us into a deliverance prayer.
1: Okay. So, we've all been guilty of this, and so, Father, right now, we just ask you to forgive us for taking offense. Lord, help us to look at the way you handled your offenses and learn from you. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I break. If you have been in, in offense and you've made these oaths and vows, just say, right now, in the name of Jesus, I break every oath and every vow that I have made to myself that has locked me up and been unable to come to a place of forgiveness and reconciliation with whoever I took offense with. So I just bind those vows and oaths and I cast them down right now and break them in the name of Jesus Christ. And I've come against the mental torment. I bind those mental torments and I, I speak to those who have been bruised and who have been taken captive. And I speak liberty to those that are bruised. I bind and break mental torment insomnia, physical torment, spiritual torment, all infirmities that may have come to you through offenses, I bind that spirit of infirmity and break their power and command those infirmities to come out of your body now. Those vexations in your heart that causes pain in your body. You go in the name of Jesus. I come against that spirit of narcissism about everything revolving around you. You are the center of your own universe and everybody should treat me that way. I break that spirit of narcissism. All the self-admiration self-love, all idolatry, I bind you and break your power and command you to go. I command all vanity and pride, inflated ego, go in the name of Jesus. All bragging and boasting, I break your power in Jesus' name. Ego mania, being an egotistical, conceited, and haughty person, I bind those spirits and command them to go in the name of Jesus. All comparing yourself with others comparisons and competition being in competition when nobody's competing with you in the name of jesus i break those spirits of competition and comparison in jesus name all elitism thinking too highly of yourself superiority delusions of grandeur i break your power and command you to go i come against the goddess spirit the diva spirits and the prima donna And all the God spirits, go in the name of Jesus. Being oversensitive, oversensitivity, wearing your feelings right down on your shoulder that causes you to be offended easily. All self-indulgence, self-satisfaction, and selfishness, you go in Jesus' name. All the spirits that are self-centered, see me, acknowledge me in the name of Jesus. I break those spirits of self-centeredness and command you to go. All self-assertion, I have a right to be offended. Go in the name of Jesus. I tear down all the walls of self-protection that you have put up between you and everybody else so that you don't get offended. I tear down those walls of self-protection now that have even stood in the way between your relationship between you and God. All covert spirits of shyness, bashfulness, embarrassed, fear, awkwardness, the shrinking violet spirit being invisible in the name of jesus all shame and false shame you go in jesus name all self-hatred and rejection self-condemnation you go in the name of jesus all spirits are being easily offended offended at others and the lying spirit that lying spirit that stands between you and other people, and maybe they didn't even say anything offensive, but that lying spirit catches their words and gives them to you in an offensive manner. I command that lying spirit to go in Jesus' name. All name-calling spirits and labeling, labeling spirits, even nicknames that you had that were offensive to you as a child, if you had buck teeth or a big nose or ears that stuck out, or if you were called Fatty Fatty, and all those offensive name-calling labels, I break them off of God's people right now in the name of Jesus. I break the high and lofty look, all haughtiness and judgmentalism, and the critical spirit, all critical spirits, you go, false accusations, rudeness, brashness, Sensitive, easily provoked, you go in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit that wants to lash out and hurt people's feelings, offending others and taking, even picking up offenses for others. Maybe you're with someone and they didn't get offended, but you took offense at, at what was said that they didn't get offended at. All religious offenses, religious spirits, I bind you and break your power in the name of Jesus all insecurity that is tied in with the opposite of pride instead of being prideful you're insecure and you have inferiority spirits of inferiority you go in the name of jesus believing a lie the desire to believe the lie instead of the truth all holding grudges bitterness resentment anger and unforgiveness you go in the mighty name of jesus christ i come against all religious offenses all national offenses, all gossiping and tailbearing. I break the death spirit that came upon you through gossiping and tailbearing. And now, Father, I ask that you would heal all the wounds, all the fiery darts that people have suffered at offenses, offensive words that were spoken, even things that were spoken on purpose. To be offensive and to be hurtful, Lord, I I speak healing right now to the broken hearts because of offenses, and I just loose upon them the ability to forgive. I just loose upon them a fresh baptism of Your love today that takes care of that love issue, the lack of love that causes people to be offended. I ask for a baptism of peace in the name of Jesus Christ, and Father, I just. I loose upon them the fruits of your spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and faith, gentleness and self-control all those things in the love scriptures of First Corinthians chapter thirteen. I loose upon your people for love covers a multitude of sins. We thank you that We have the Ministry of Reconciliation. Lord, I just loose the Ministry of Reconciliation. I loose upon your people a desire to go to those who have offended them and be reconciled to one another in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you've given us a way out, a way to expel these evil spirits from ourselves so that we can walk in your ways more successfully in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. That was such a powerful prayer, Carla. Thank you for that because I know that this was such a huge thing with people and I'm really looking forward to hearing how this has helped a lot of people. So we're looking forward to testimonies because this is such a huge one and I really appreciate you weighing in on this very important topic tonight. And for the new listeners, Carla, do give out your website for the new listeners that are tuned in.
1: Okay. Um, My website can be found at Carla Butaud, and that's C-A-R-L-A-B-U-T-A-U-D dot com. And we'd love to hear from you. I hope that this has blessed you as much as learning about it has blessed me.
0: Yes, we all need to hear this teaching. (laughs) Thanks so much again, Carla, for coming on the program.
1: Thank you for having me, Sheila. It's always fun to be with you.
0: Thanks, Carla. You too. Folks, that was Carla Butod. Her information is linked there on today's bio. Do shoot Carla an email and let her know you heard her on the show today. I think this was a very powerful and very timely teaching, indeed, because there is a spirit of offense. And I think this was really important. You know, as I look at the headlines, <laughs> I said a couple of weeks ago, I need to start a paper, the Sodom Star or the Gamora Gazette, I'm not sure which, but there's a lot of stuff happening. The madness is unlike anything I've ever seen. And and that's why we really have to be prayed up. We have to be in God's word. Because in all this craziness, what we really need to counteract it is a steady dose of the word of God. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the living water. Feed more in him than all this ubiquitous insanity unfolding around us. Yeah, it's good to be aware of what's going on. But don't get so immersed in it and caught up in it that you start completely dwelling on it. Because despite what it looks like, God is still advancing his kingdom. He's in charge. He knows what's going on. He knows the plans of the wicked better than them. And speaking of plans, he's got one. And he's certainly got a plan for your life. So keep your eyes fixated on Jesus Christ. He will give you the strength and the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we sure need some of that today. I thank you very much for tuning into the program today. We got a great guest on tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.